0: everyone and welcome to the second episode of 2018 brought to you by the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan for Dugber. How's things going down there, John?
1: Very well, Steve. Very well indeed. And we've got a bumper Norwegian show today, haven't we? I'm, I'm taking a back seat for this one as uh, we've got our Norwegian season preview. Only a week to go till the start of the new season. Are you excited, Steve?
0: Yeah, I'm really excited, I think um, I prefer the years where they start the league a couple of weeks later, it can be a bit cold, um, and the standard of football can be a little bit low when they have these years when they start it in in mid-March, uh, but yeah, really excited. We've got a bumper show lined up for you, uh, like you mentioned, um, basically we're going to be talking about every single elitist area inside, um, some talents to watch out for, we've got a special guest coming in, in the latter third of the show. Tom Dent from uh, Buddha Glimt uh, so really looking forward to that one and just overall uh, really really excited um,
1: so uh, let's get into it I mean no time to waste
0: yeah I mean just firstly before we um, go into the actual uh, season prediction I've got to mention um, our Patreon uh, website um, www.patreon.com forward slash nordic football podcast we mentioned this on the last pod That we've got this set up now um, where you can donate to us um, if you uh, so so desire. I've got a shout out to our very first patron, uh, Thomas uh, Hermanson. Thank you very much for your support, uh, Thomas. Um, And we will strive to um, keep up the good work this year. So, again, if you want to uh, uh, have a look at our uh, Patreon uh, page there and uh, take a look. I'm, I'm sure there'll be quite a few links on Twitter this week from it. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate any support, basically.
1: Fantastic stuff. Not only have we got our first patron, who's, uh, who's been awarded the Yondal Thomason Award there, hasn't he, uh, which you can check on the Patreon website, but we've also had a few questions this week on Twitter. So I'm going to analyse some of those as we move into the, into the literary and preview. And we're going to begin this season preview, bumper 2018 season's preview, with the top of the table, aren't we? And we're going to begin... discussion on the teams that you feel will win the league. So the format for this podcast is going to be Steve has very kindly given a predicted table from top to bottom. He's predicted every single position that he feels teams will finish in in this season's coming Elite Series. So if you are looking into your crystal ball and you're looking for some predictions, this is the place to be. Steve, I'm not actually going to start with your number one prediction uh, as for who is going to win the title, because I feel that most people will probably be able to guess that. So I'm actually going to start with who you feel is going to come second. So we've got your full table here. Uh, take it away on the team that you feel is going to be the biggest challenger to the current champions, Rosenborg, this
0: season. Yeah, well, I feel that Stroms Goodsert are going to be the number one challenger this season, John. Um, if you go back to last year, their manager, Skullerud, I mean, he's won the league before with Molder. So he's broken Rosenborg dominance in the past. And I think in the second half of last season, they were one of the best sides. What they've done, they had a pretty good attack force anyway, but they've added pieces to this offense, which already contains the likes of uh, Marcus Pedersen, Eric Anderson, Basil Girardi. They've signed Moss from Arlesund. And I know he's sometimes been ridiculed in the past from uh, certain people but also praised in other quarters. Oh, fundamentally, he scored 16 goals last season for a side that got relegated. I mean, I think he's a good addition to them. They've um, got Amal Pellegrino as well, um, a talent that's come from the uh, the lower leagues. Uh, they've had signed Herman Stengel from Valerenga, another good upcoming talent, and they needed extra reinforcements in that middle, middle of the park. Defensively, they're pretty similar, but I think they've got so many options in defence. Now, if someone is out of form... They can roll back and, uh, and and rely on other people to chip in. I'm still not convinced in goal. I'm afraid uh, Booger Petterson, he's 38 years old now. He's not not one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Uh, but they're just going to have to get on with it there. So, uh, yeah, I think they're the big challenges. I really like their offence. And if Rosenborg do have a flat spell, they can take advantage.
1: Right. Well, looking at their history, they've won the league once uh, in this current century. 2013 was the last time Strum's Good won the title, and they've only won it twice in their history. The first time being 1970. What makes you think they are going to challenge? Where is their key key strength in terms of what, what's going to make them the challenger? What's the biggest thing that will make them the challenger?
0: Well, great offense, like I said, uh, got quality individuals there can make a big difference. They're usually so good at home as well, John. Always historically since they've come into this league their own stadium is a fortress and I would expect them to have I think they had the best home record last year I would expect that to probably continue Uh, away from home is the big question mark if they can just make that step up win more games away from home like they were doing in the second half of last year then they can sustain uh, more of a title challenge perhaps than others have done in the last couple of years and finally they haven't got any European involvement which I think could be quite big come the summer where you've got the likes of Rosenborg Molder who are in Europe and Sarpsborg as well and if if either of those sides go on a deep run then they could get hindered by it. Strong's good say all they've got to focus on is the league or the cup if they still remain in it. So uh, quite a few factors in their favour there.
1: Very good stuff. So I mean there's no surprises in guessing who your prediction for the title is. We'll move on to them now. Uh, They won the league last season by seven points and you have selected the multiple Norwegian title winners. Rosenborg as your number one pick to win the title take it away on why
0: well it's fairly obvious they're the one to two favorites with the bookies to win the league I hope I'm wrong I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone hopes that they don't win the league what people want to see in Norway is a close title challenge there's a few reasons to think that it, that might happen this year because the the opposition the challenges might improve their level and Rosenborg if they do it's quite possible they could have a long deep run in Europe in July-August time, in the qualifying rounds. In the last couple of years, they've always been well, well clear at the top of the table already, and it's not affected them. But if it's a bit closer, maybe it'll be much harder for them. Look, they've got such a big squad. Quality, depth, everywhere. They've added Alexander Söderland, who was a bit of a flopper to Etienne. But he's going to score plenty of goals in this league. Nicholas Bentner, for all the criticism that people have given him, including myself, he's the best player in this league when he's on form. And if he's in the mood, he's gonna he's gonna get loads of chances here. Samuel Benro is too good for the elite serian He's gonna cause havoc everywhere uh, on the wings there. And they've got so this has got depth everywhere. John, the only slight doubt perhaps is at the back. They've lost Jurgen Schelvic to LA Galaxy, um, and maybe you could say defensively there's a couple of question marks. But just overall, it's gonna be very hard for anyone on anyone to dislodge them. I just hope that someone can keep them close by the time the halfway point in the season is and then maybe they can take advantage if they've got european you know slip-ups
1: right yeah i mean very quickly uh yeah the key man is obviously going to be nicholas bender isn't it um he i think led their their their, he he was the top scorer in the league last season if i'm right in saying they've won the league the last three years running so it doesn't look like anyone's really going to be able to stop them with their financial might i mean what what what's left to do for Rosenborg this season what is What's going to keep their fans entertained? Is this just a run-of-the-mill season, really? Or is there any kind of um, things to be to look out for? Is there anything fans can kind of point to and say potential weakness?
0: Well, they had a taste for Europe this season. And I think they want a taste of it again. It's going to be really hard for them to qualify for any of the group stages. The new Champions League format, I mean, I think it's virtually impossible for a side in, in Scandinavia to actually qualify for the CL groups now. But they can maybe get a run at the Europa League. I think in the actual Elita Serie, maybe the fans want to see them play almost like total football, to use a Dutch uh, explanation there, you know, really look fluid right from the get-go and uh, entertain from start to finish throughout the whole 90 minutes.
1: Yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to see past Rosenberg, isn't it, really, as you mentioned there. Maybe their European ambitions
0: can trip
1: them up to a certain extent. You've gone for third place Mulder, and we had a question on Twitter from Matt Ryan who has asked, will Mulder be amongst the medals again after Sigurdurtsson has departed? What are your thoughts on Mulder this season,
0: Steve? My problem for them last year was they they finished second, but um, I think they were quite lucky in a way. They statistically scored a lot of late goals and I think on another year they could have finished as low as maybe fifth or something like that. So they've got to do some improvement in terms of performances to maintain their second place. They got Europe to look forward to, and that could be a problem. I think Oleg Onusovkshar rotates the the squad too much for my liking. There's just no settlement in terms of consistent 11s, and I just think in this league you need to be having a regular team if you can. Having said that, there's plenty of talent in the squad, young players, experienced players. The loss of Sigurdarson's is big. I mean, he's a big target man up front. 16 goals, a few assists as well. The hope that is that new signing Daniel um, is can fill his boots. He's played for the club in the past and scored plenty of goals in this league, so there's no reason why he can't fill his boots again. Yeah, I think Molder could be in the mixer. I mean, things go well for them. The, I think there'll be players in the squad this year who develop, improve their quality, so there's a, a chance they could launch a title bid, but um, I just had them down in that sort of third position.
1: Are they going to salt you as a coach? I mean, do, do, do you expect him to see out there? See so, yeah, the whole season. Will he be? Will he have eyes on him from other clubs potentially abroad, or is he going to be there for the for the whole season?
0: I don't see how clubs abroad are going to be interested in him if he, unless he starts winning the league again here. You know, as I say, from a tactical point of view, he's quite hard to 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 predict um, because last year he was three five two a lot, but I think naturally, I think he prefers four men at the back. He should see out the season, but if things start to go. A bit pear-shaped and he comes under pressure, then who knows?
1: The next two teams you've got uh, to look out for in the upper reaches of the table this season in terms of your predictions, we've got Brand and we've got Sarpsborg. Now, Brand have brought in a player who you really have tipped in our, to look out for, and that is a, a player by the name of Gilbert Coombson, a 23-year-old at Brand. Let's start with Brand then and, and this player and why you think he'll be an influence and what's your outlook for the team
0: well Coombson is coming from Songdal, who got relegated in the last two seasons 56 appearances 10 goals and 15 assists in probably the worst and most negative attacking unit in the whole league And um, I think that's a fair effort you know when you're playing like that in a poor team basically take him out of the game and you stopped quite a bit of Songdal. but he still produced the goods now he's in a much better squad He's going to have a lot more freedom. I think teams are going to have to focus on other players a lot more. And he's at that age, i think 22 years old, like you say, where he can just develop um, and become a really big star. My big problem for Bran has been squad depth and attacking abilities in the last two years. They've done really well the last couple of years. They're a really well-organised team. Got some fierce competitors in the squad. Frederick Horgan in midfield. Absolute general, like someone mentioned on Twitter to us. And they're going to need another big season out of him. Always going to have a solid defence. Problem last year was when they got injuries and, and they, the, the squad couldn't cope. They seem in a bit, little bit more better condition that way now. They've added a couple of offensive pieces and I think they're going to be a force. Uh, can they launch a title bid? I don't think so, but maybe they can do. They haven't got Europe to worry about this year. If they can stay injury free, they're going to be really formidable to beat at home. They always are. And um, yeah, I expect Brant to go pretty well, to be honest, uh, John.
1: Yes, and then moving on the one team who whose list of transfers reads more like a, I don't know, a sort of um, Norwegian folk novel or something like that. I mean, you've got Sarpsborg there, who whose transfer business seems to go on for pages and pages. As I've just said, they've lost a talent focus that we had last season. Suger and Rosted to Ghent for something in the region of a million pounds, it seems. What's your outlook for them? Uh, you know. That is a huge level of kind of squad regeneration. Can they do much? Well,
0: there's still plenty of talent in the squad. They're well coached. They're a club that you feel like they're on the up. But look, when you have a dozen players come in and then a dozen out, it's just obvious to me that you're not going to be able to settle properly for a few months, you know, no matter what league you're in in the world. And this happened two years ago with Salzburg, actually. They had loads of new players come in and loads moved out. And they started the season slowly. This is my worry for them this year, John. Are they going to get out of the blocks quickly enough? They've got Rosenborg first match. You know, it's not a great time for them to be facing, to be honest. Um, It might be it takes them until the summer uh, to really get in full flow. By then, they might be too far out of the title mix. Um, And maybe sort of long-term next season might be a better option for them. They're also in Europe, which might take some adjustment for them in the mid-season still plenty of players to watch out for at the back uh, Bjorn Inge Utvik uh, may well be Sigurd Rosted's replacement Harmit Singh's a good signing Mikel Agar up front Ronnie Schwartz is one worth watching for as well so uh, yeah they're still talent but I just see them regressing to be honest John a little bit because of the likely slow start
1: Good stuff and yeah looking at them last season as you mentioned they're needing a, a quick start they actually won three of their first four games last season um, one of them 5-1 in fact as well against Christiansen, so maybe they need to come out of the blocks um, which they did until the loss against
0: Yeah, they definitely need to come out of the blocks quickly and that's my concern uh, Can you do that when you've got a squad that um, is, is regenerating? You know, it's, uh, That's the big question
1: Looking further down the table then um, you've got your top three there being Rosenborg, Strom's Godson and Mulder Let's look at that clutch of teams that you selected to be kind of mid-table, starting with, I suppose, Starbett, Haugerson and Lillestrom and Odd. Those are the four teams you've got as a mid-table kind of consolidation.
0: Yeah, well, I'll start with Odd and they've got to improve their goal scoring. They only scored 27 goals last year, John, which is ridiculously low. Their top scorer, guess how many goals he had? Three. Three goals is their top scorer, which is mad, isn't it? um just to put it in perspective the next nearest low scoring teams were 33 35 goals and then 38 goals so they're about 10 goals worse than most of the league um i don't believe they've got enough players to uh to to improve their goal scoring quickly but there is a midfielder to watch out for um in the odd ranks um marcus kasser i really like the look of him a youngster to, to keep an eye on Horgerson, they've got exactly the same problem as odd they can't score goals and again the big question mark can they Find enough this year. I'm not. I'm not convinced. And they're going to rely on their defense too much again. Again, can you do it? I'm not. I'm not sure. Starbeck should be all right. Maybe there's a chance they could get sucked into a relegation battle, but I think they're really well coached by Tony Ordinast. They've got some great young talent. One of the youngest squads in the whole league. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the youngest uh, completely. But they conceded a lot of goals last year, and I'm pretty sure they will concede a lot again this year because of the, the the style that Ordinas plays, uh, might leave themselves too open. But they'll be an entertaining team to watch, a uh, good one for the neutral Starbeck. Lillestrom, they're going to be direct, in-your-face, physical, uh, long ball, but they're going to be hard to play against because there is some talent in there. They won the Cup last year, so they're in the Europa League. They're going to enjoy that adventure, hopefully, in the summer. But maybe it might affect their league form a little bit. I see them right right bang in the middle of the league, actually, Lillestrom. They're sort of like the the average sort of side in the Elite area, John. So, uh, yeah, I think all those teams look to be around mid-table for me this year.
1: Great stuff. And then the one team that we've got remaining uh, in the table, in that sense of mid-table, you have Wallerenga down as the team you've predicted to finish in sixth. Um, now, last season, there was a bit of a bizarre... Incident with Ronnie Dealer stripping naked, I think, after a team's win. Are we going to have any sort of naked naked antics this season? And um, what's your outlook for Wallaringa? We actually had a question from Matt Ryan again. He asked, are they the team who could maybe um, be under pressure? Would the manager be under pressure if if Wallaringa aren't around European qualification? Give us your quick views on the Wallaringa.
0: Well, the naked truth is that... Um... Yes, he will be under pressure if they don't deliver something this year. He's promised to get him in the medals within four years, which I think is a bit conservative, really, for a club like them. <sighs> Look, pre-season hasn't gone great for them. It, they just haven't clicked. There's a few injuries knocking about. They've got some good signings as well, like Sam Johnson up front. I think he'll go well. Um, like I said, Sam adder could be at the back as well. I mean, Nori should go all right. But I think they're going to be too inconsistent to launch a title bid or even a medal bid. So... I think there's a few concerns about Wollongong, and uh, but yeah, the, the expectations amongst the fans are going to be quite high. So uh, yes, there will be pressure if if they don't start, you know, to be consistently in that top top six. Really, they've got to try and aim towards a medal. I'm not sure they can.
1: Yeah, and reading Ronnie Dale's comments actually on the eve of the season, he's he said that his um, he's got a younger squad which has got a lot more running power but uh, less rhythm in it. He feels that they'll be better this year, but uh, they must take it step by step and said he'll be disappointed if they do not get in the top six. Is that ambitious enough? I mean, he's, he's also said they aim to be, no, you know, Oslo needs a team at the top of Norwegian football. Um, is it is it ambitious enough to to only want to be in top six?
0: I don't, I, I don't think he's nowhere near ambitious enough for a club like them, John. He's already offering excuses, if you ask me here. Um, it's pretty pathetic, actually, to say that he's disappointed that they won't be in the top six. They've got to be aiming for the top three or four, let alone the top six. If they finish outside the top six, he's out, of, he's out of a bloody job for me. I mean, you yeah, know, this is a big club, John. They're, they're, they're in the capital city of Norway, and they've won titles in the last decade. And more needs to be done. This is a project that he's saying he's four years just to get into the medal places he needs this year to definitely make a big improvement. And I just don't like it when managers pre-season are, are as negative like this when you're at a big club. I remember when David Moyes was, when started at Man United. He was sparting stuff off, wasn't he? Early doors. It just, there's not enough positivity coming from this camp, in my opinion. And this is why I'm concerned about of this season.
1: Well, I think it was Mark Twain who once said, clothes make the man, but naked people have little or no influence on society. So, um a tough one for dealer there according to mark twain let's move on now to the relegation battle and we're going to be joined by a special guest in part two that will be coming up now shortly after this very quick break We now move on to the relegation zone and we are going to talk about the teams who Steve feels may well be in trouble this season uh, or who have come up and will be fighting to survive. And we're delighted to be joined by a special guest on the show who is Tom Dent, who is a member of the newly promoted side, Bodo Glimt, who I'm sure you're going to correct me on my pronunciation there, but uh, Tom, welcome to the show.
2: I don't feel I can correct an Englishman or an Englishman, so uh don't worry too much on that but uh thank you very much for the invitation to come on. I'm really looking forward to it. yeah, no, happy to have you on the show and um yeah, thanks for
1: obviously listening. i know you're you're a listener of the show, so it's it's great to get you on board as well. I mean, let's start with just very quickly your your situation i mean I think you're right in saying that you are the under eighteens academy goalkeeping coach, is that right? Just tell us uh, a
2: bit of both. So uh, my job with Glimt is kind of split into two. So I have um, the goalkeeper side is one half of my job. So in in Border Glimt, we have um, teams all across the ages from six down to the first team. But we have what in England you would class as an academy team from under 13s up to under 19s. So all the goalkeepers that are in that age bracket come under me in terms of the syllabus and in terms of the sessions they have. And then the other half of my job is um, the under-19s team on the second team, which is essentially the same team, uh, have three coaches in the coaching staff. Uh, and those three coaches are myself and uh, two colleagues. Uh, and I have the under-18s team as a head coach uh, on a match day. So I kind of have both the, the goalkeeping side and the, and the, uh, the team side. Um, and then I have a little bit with the first team when the first team goalkeeper coach is away, as he's one of the national goalkeeper coaches. So uh, I hop in there when he's away on the national team breaks.
1: So how did you get into? Um, I mean, you know, just the first, I suppose the first place to start is how did you get yourself in a position out there in, in Norway? What's your, you know, your history, your background? I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating uh, position to be in. Um, tell us your pathway to to that position in Norway, and you know, your experiences to date.
2: Uh, It all started back in 2011, Uh, I was studying at Brunel University in West London uh, and alongside that I was working for Fulham, the Fulham FC Foundation, so we did a lot of holiday schools, summer camps, those sorts of things. And while I was there in the summer of 2011, uh, a Norwegian uh, was over there with his son and his son's best friend and they were there partly to do the football school, partly to uh, see the sights of London. And also partly to meet the Risa brothers. John Arna and Björn Helga Risa were both in Fulham at the same time for one year. It was just before Mark Hughes took over as manager. And we got talking and I had the the kids for a couple of sessions. And at that time I knew nothing about Norway, nothing about the language, nothing. So I made the sessions around them. And he was really happy with the way that I sort of looked after them. And so invited me out uh, to go and see... Uh, Norwegian football so I went out the following summer with a friend of mine and we went to a lot of the Oslo clubs uh, Starbeck, Roaringer, Lillestrom um, and then we went to a local club called Follow Uh, and while I was at Follow uh, it was the first time the coaching staff sort of got to know me uh, and were the first coaches to take an interest so we, um, we went out a few more times and then after I graduated in 2012, uh, I was offered a position as very similar to what I have now where I had the goalkeepers but from the first team all the way down and also as an under-14s head coach. So I moved out there completely on my own in 2013, not really knowing what the hell I was doing but thinking this is fun, this is a full-time football job and this is going to be fun. I uh, had three really good years there, met a lot of good people Um and then one of the people I met happened to be an Irish coach called uh, Gary Hogan, uh, and we got to know each other very well. And then in 2015, he got the manager's job of a club called Sturals Blink, who play just outside Trondheim. So I spent 2016 as an assistant manager there for the first team, had a, a bit of a fairy tale cup run, uh, but we had a bit of a str- not struggle in the league. We would have been a safe mid-table side, but... Um, they had a strange league restructuring which meant that the team actually got relegated um, and Gary unfortunately lost his job and though I saw that season and then completely out of the blue I got a phone call from uh, Border Glimps offering me the position I have now So I moved up here uh, in November 2016. In fact, the first, the day I signed was actually the day we lost to Ian Birchnell's V-King at home, which was the last home game of the season in 2016. Um, And then I've been in Glimt ever since. So I spent the whole season here last year and I have this year and hopefully next year with Glimt and then we'll see where the adventure continues.
0: Hi, Tom. Great to have you on board here. Um, What can you actually tell us about Buda Glimt as a club in general and uh, the recent history surrounding it?
2: Um, the club itself is, is, um, is quite a famous club in Norway simply because it's, it's, um, it's one of the first teams uh, that came from the north into the league structure in Norway. Uh, previously it was very much regionalized. we're talking way back in the 60s, but it's, it's almost had a lot of history for uh, producing really, really good players and having a certain brand of football. And, uh, and they've even played in Europe. The last time they were in Europe was in 2004. So they've played in the, in the old UEFA Cup. Um, and then since then, it's become a bit of a club where players have gone on as a stepping stone between Glimpt and into, uh, into the wider footballing world. So if I give you two recent examples, uh, Stoke City signed a player, Badu Nindaya, from uh, Galatasaray in January transfer window. And he was actually with us in Glimpton in 2013, uh, and also Alexander Serloff, who recently signed with Crystal Palace. He was also on loan with us from Rosenborg in 2013, and that was his kind of breakthrough season. Uh, so it's been a, it's, it's a very famous club for for team for players to to progress their career, whether they've come through the academy or whether they've come signed by the club and gone uh, further into the footballing world. Um, and it's always had a very good reputation in terms of young players, uh, which is something I'm sure we'll we'll touch on a little bit later. But um, it's a very it's a very big small club, if that makes sense. It, it's it's nowhere near the size of Rosenborg. It's nowhere near the size of Moulder, but it's it's it has its standing. It, it deserves to be in the elite series, if you can say that. Tom,
1: uh, yeah, you looking at the history of Buda, they've they've won the league. Uh, sorry, excuse me, they've um, been runners up three times. Uh, most recently, I think in two thousand and three. And you won, obviously, the title last, you know, in the season, Present season just gone to move up to the promotion to the um, elite Serian. You mentioned the young players and the, that's a big focus of, of the club and that's a, a sort of key philosophy of the club. Who, who are the players that we should look out for this season? Are there maybe three key players you could immediately highlight to listeners who may be you know, not, not so familiar
2: with Buda moving into the Elita Um, I think there's, uh, from a youngster's point of view, there's, there's a lot actually of exciting players coming through. It's a really uh, good time. Um you have you have a couple that have already sort of made uh small steps in terms of you have Frederick Andre Björken who plays as a left back. Um he's he's coming into his first full preseason since he's been in the first team. He's looked really strong. So if he can play 30 games, he can really push on. Um we have Jens Petahoga, who is only 18 years old, but he was the top assist uh had the top assist in the Orbs league of last year with thirteen, uh, and made his debut as a sixteen-year-old in the Elite Serie. And the last time we were in the in the Elite Serie, and we also have a seventeen-year-old youngster, always turned just turned eighteen actually, Hawkinsevian, who who um, was recently called up for uh, the national team for the year above his age, um, and has also played a lot in the preseason, played a lot on the wing, uh, can also play as a left back and on the on the left side. In, in the central midfield so there's three straight off the bat that um that can really make an impact this year from a youngster uh, we also have patrick Burke, who's been in and out of the team uh, he's only 20 21 um we also have William williamana Hansen, who's also only 19 just turned 20 uh who can also be something exciting so there's five uh five players straight off the bat who can uh, really make an impact this year
0: yeah tom i mean buddha glint as a club itself i mean what sort of general ethos would you say there's there, you know, club vision and things like that?
2: They they have a really strong identity. Uh, they they really like to identify themselves with their North Norwegian roots, which is very uh, hardened, uh, very straight talking, a bit like it is in the North of England, actually. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of jokes, obviously, about people from, uh, from Newcastle who are very straight talking, very brash, very to the point, And, there's a lot of similarities in in that sense in the people from the north um but the but Glimt have a very strong playing style uh non-negotiable 4-3-3 they have a very uh strong identity of each position in that 4-3-3 um but they also have a very not strict but they have it outlined in terms of how many players in the squad have to come from the north of Norway how many players in the squad have to come from their own academy how many how many players from the team below need to be training on a on a consistent basis with the first team. So there's always a, a pathway from the second team right up to the first team and then... How many is it? Stages. Um, the squad basis is that there has to be two, two goalkeepers, 15 uh, fixed players, three players on top of that who have to be their own players. And then uh, another two on top of that who have to be training with the first team regularly, but play for the second team. So you're looking at around probably a quarter of the squad have to be their own sort of produced and young and the conveyor belt is, is whirling round rather than just throwing him in there when they're, ready shall we say
1: fascinating I mean what you um, mentioned there in terms of the club philosophy and the club vision for you as a goalkeeping coach has, how does that affect you does that affect you in any way I mean are you responsible or part of the recruitment policy at the club for example do you scout goalkeepers that kind of thing tell us about your own particular role and, and also what's the lifestyle like
2: uh, coaching abroad you know that kind of thing what's it like living in in, in Norway if we take the first one first, Glimt have had a lot of history of producing players, but goalkeepers isn't necessarily one they're they're particularly well known for. We currently have three, not only not Norwe- uh, North Norwegian goalkeepers, but actually three foreign goalkeepers. So we have a we have a Canadian Simon Thomas, we have a Brazilian Ricardo Fredrik, and we've just signed a Serbian uh, Zoran Popovic. The goalkeeping coach here, Jonas coolstar, is played a lot of time in Glimt. He was here for many years and played X amount of games. But alongside that, there was an Estonian goalkeeper. So you're having to go back into the mid-2000s before there was a regular North Norwegian goalkeeping uh, trio or double act, call it what you want. So I've always had the attitude that I I wish to change that. It's been the same in in clubs in different parts of Norway because the goalkeeping side isn't quite as developed as a country as um, as the other sides are. Um, So my role basically is to, as you say, it's it's less about recruitment at the moment and more about putting in place structures and uh, development programs and those sorts of things whereby one we can identify goalkeepers a bit more but two education for coaches about goalkeepers and education for goalkeepers about goalkeeping is uh is is further advanced than what it currently is myself and Yona speak a lot so in terms of uh goalkeepers for the juniors and for the first team we, we speak a lot and we we've had a we each have our own input on those sorts of things so it's quite a varied job as for the lifestyle it's quite strange actually because a lot of stories in norwegian uh, media at the moment about the season starting this weekend and uh, they're not sure the weather can handle it it's actually really nice weather up here in in border at the moment um i say really nice it's still minus six with a wind chill of about minus four so it's not <laughs> it's not exactly uh we're not talking spanish uh, nice here but um there's very, it's been very little snow, actually, uh, the last two months or so. So, it's, When you say,
1: uh, just to clarify, that's the, the sporting director, I believe, when you were talking about the um, recruitment
2: side of things. Osman uh, yeah, yeah. He's the new sports director, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so so from a goalkeeping coach's point of view, you know, quite quickly maybe putting you on the spot a little bit here. Firstly, who would you say maybe is the, you know, from your point of view, just to get an idea of your own flavours, who would you say is the best goalkeeper in the world or the top sort of two to three goalkeepers? If you had a one, two and three maybe?
2: I have to say, whether I think he's the best is a different, uh, different uh, question. My favourite goalkeeper is Gigi Buffon. Uh, he's, my, he's been my favourite since I was a kid. My f- best goalkeeper at the moment, I think it really depends on what you, uh, what you consider to be the criteria to be the best goalkeeper. I think the best shot stopper in the world is David De Gea. I think there is no question on that. I think the most complete goalkeeper is Marta Stegen of Barcelona. And I think the most offensive goalkeeper, we're talking the, the Neuer type, uh, is Edison at Manchester City right now. I think he, he's so offensive, he's so brainless in what he tries to do, but he's, he gets away with it because he's, he takes the risk. And so if I was to rank them, I'd probably say De Stegen, De Gea, uh, Edison. So De Stegen number one? Yeah, I think he's the most complete right now. And
1: in your own region, who, you know, who should we look out for in Norway this season from a goalkeeper? Uh,
2: in Norway, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about Brun's new goalkeeper from Austria. Uh, I've seen a little bit from him, and I think he, he's really, really good. In terms of Norwegian as Norwegian, I've got to try and think through the list now of who actually classes under Norwegian. There's not that many floating around Norway at the moment. Uh, Rosenborg's two goalkeepers are brilliant. Andre Hansen is probably the best in Norway. Perhaps not the best Norwegian, but he's definitely the best goalkeeper in Norway. And Aral Osbu is, is uh is a really good number two. I've been really impressed with uh, Anders Christensen since he went to Sashborg. Uh I was a little bit unsure because uh I watched him when he was at Brinner and I thought he was decent, but I wasn't sure if he could make the step. Uh, but I've been really really impressed with with uh with how he's he's developed and how he's taken on the Elite Syrian. And then the last one I'd probably is a toss up uh between Broadvelt at um Hergeson and uh Sonder at odd. Uh Two very different goalkeepers, but very, very effective in what they do and still very, very young. Um, so they've got a lot of space where they can uh, further develop, I think.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, Brat Veit down as one of my ten to watch uh, at the end of uh, the podcast, actually. Um, all right, okay, on, on to Buda Glimp this season, uh, Tom. How's pre season gone? What are the ambitions for the season? And I'm going to have to ask you a prediction for a final uh, finishing place.
2: Preseason has been very good. We, we, had, uh, we paid a little bit for our historic run at the end of last year. We had something like uh, 10 groin injuries all of the same type. They're all kind of like overload injuries. Uh, so it meant then that there was a lot of work done in November, December to overcome those problems. Uh, but it then meant that when we started back in January, we had quite a thin squad in terms of fully fit players. Um, the nice thing about the timing of all of that was then that everybody was built up at the same rate. So we're coming to the point now where the season begins in uh, less than a week and we're pretty much at full strength. We we had a bit of a terrible bit of news on the weekend that Onde Kupin is most likely out for the season now with a with a cruciate, which is really bad timing for him, uh, especially as he's been really good in pre-season. Um, but other than that, we're, we're looking in good shape. And I think... Um, the performances in the pre season games have been very, very good. Uh, we got a strong result away at Mulder, if you look at the results. Had two good games in Marbella against uh, Sunderfield and Start. Uh, and obviously, the, the local derby, if you can call it that, when it's 400 kilometres away against Tromsø last weekend, ending in a 4 1 win, is obviously also a very positive result going into the season. So it's, it's the club's mantra, I guess, or their aim is to become a stable elite Syrian side. They're they're very much a yo-yo club at the minute if you look at recent history. Uh, So I think if you ask anybody in the club, myself included, the first thing is survival. I think if you look at it, and I think we'll we'll talk about the other top uh, teams a little bit later, I think that the potential to be a lower mid-table side is very achievable, if not higher mid-table. Um, I don't think we're going to do like Bron did a couple of years ago when we they won the league by a margin and then went on to win finish second. I don't think that's realistic. Um, but I certainly think that we are in good shape to survive and maybe maybe a little bit more.
1: Great stuff. So, yeah, that is the inside information into into Boona Glimp from uh, Tom Dent there. Really good analysis and take on the situation. Tom's going to join us now for a bit of... Talk about the relegation battle and the other teams. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of insight you can bring to the other, other teams involved. So let's move on to, I think, what is a bit of a local rivalry in terms of Trumza. Am I right in saying that, Steve?
0: Yeah, it's the Derby of the North when these two teams play each other. And I'm sure Tom will, would agree it's probably the biggest match of the season for both. Yeah, Trumza, I mean, they're um, I, I, I've got a few worries about them this year, to be honest with you, John. Um, they've been selling players and they've had to because they've got a few financial worries up there. Um, you know, Mikkel bridson has gone, They've lost Thomas Olsen, a couple of others, others as well, but they're not really replacing them with anyone enough. I mean, they've got Tom Hoagley, I mean, experienced player, but he's about 34, 35 years old now. And all right, you can't write off old players in this league. I mean, players like Freda Kipper are still going at 40 odd in Lillestrom, but, um, just got a few concerns about them, John. I mean, who have they bought and who have they lost? You know, the big loss. Um, Thomas Olsen was the top scorer last year for them. Uh, the squad, the squad looks really thin at the moment. Um, I think if they have injuries, they're going to be straight into uh, youth players. I've got them down for twelfth position, but I think if they lost their manager Simo Valakari, who did a superb job last year for them, he came in mid-season and kept them up, and he played a lovely brand of football sort of 3-5-2 formation but I could just see there being a problem with him being unsatisfied at the club and you know maybe even he, he, he could leave them mid-season so I've got them down for 12th but it would not surprise me if they were in deep in the relegation battle.
1: Tom thoughts on that or would you prefer to sort of no comment on that one considering they're your, your rivals?
2: No I'm allowed I, I must comment on that one for the exact reason that they are rivals. No I agree with everything that was said I think I think initially they went very much under the radar and I think they had a very good end of the season last year. Um, I think they'll be disappointed that they haven't been able to maintain what they had a little bit more. And, but I think that, like you say, I think they have a few issues and I think they're going to be scrambling, I think, for, for signings near the end of the window, uh, which is really not what you want to be doing. Uh, so I think they're going to get sucked in. I, I, if you'd asked me probably a month ago, I would have said they've had a good, they would probably be OK. But having seen them play at the weekend, I'm now really unsure.
1: So it's looking bad for Chomsday then from our from our expert analysts here. Let's move on to start to another newly promoted side. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. They've got a new manager in Mark Dempsey, um, fairly high, highly regarded. What are your thoughts on start? I mean, a few people kind of said that they might be a little bit of a dark horse. Um, or is that kind of overblown? What are your thoughts, Steve?
0: I agree. I think they are a bit of a dark horse. I think of the three promoted teams, they're most likely to finish the highest. I've got them down. I've got, think I've got them penciled in for ninth. They might do it a little bit better than that, really, as well. I mean, the big weapon is Mark Dempsey. It seems whenever he he's impressed me since he's come over to Norway in coaching, often as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's right hand man. But he did a good job at Haugesund a couple of years ago, and then he fell out with the board. He he coached at Man United for ten years with the juniors, actually, uh, Johns. I mean, he's got great big club experience. And he's one of those managers that... He's quite controversial, actually. actually, He'll tell you how it is. They've signed some exciting talent. Um, especially, I like the look of Kevin Cabran. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. But I think pretty much half their team is going to be new signings, which you've got to do when you come up sometimes. So forget about what they did last year. It's a new identity. And um, I think, yeah, definitely a uh, a dark horse.
2: I think... I think they've got a really nice blend now, actually, between, uh, they've got some really good youngsters there, really exciting youngsters, Christensen, Alfez and, and Haddish have uh, all really impressed uh, over the recent times. And they also have some very good experienced players, Simon Larsen and Hawken uh, Obdahl who who have been there and done it before. So, they've got a really nice blend of of uh, of the two that you need. I think the only question mark is how quickly the, the signings can settle. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to start the season well because I think they're still trying to find their own uh, identity in terms. Of, I think Mark is still trying to find exactly the way he wants to play. Um, but I do think that come May, June and particularly after the summer break, I do think they will they will push up the table. And I, I agree that they will probably be uh, comfortably safe, I think.
1: Yeah, I think quite a few people are, you know, in the know seem to sort of be rating start, which is an interesting one. Let's move straight to the bottom of the table. I mean, your predicted position for start, by the way, there, Steve is ninth, so it does seem like you've also tipped them to go fairly well. But right at the bottom of the table, we've got Ranheim, which is your, your bottom of the league prediction, Steve. And Trondheim's second team. What is your take on at Ranheim?
0: I've gotta be honest here, John, they're the team I know least about ranheim have never been at this level i don't think uh, before they're from trondheim so sort of like a little brother of uh, Rosenborg. really uh, they defied all the odds by winning the relegation playoff against songdale last season which hardly ever happens the Elite side usually will win that playoff match easily they're really a, a a complete minnow i don't know an awful lot about their players to be honest they've signed some guys that have I've heard of before and I've seen in action from like Rosenborg youngsters and, and things like that. I, I'm struggling to get a big take on them, to be honest. I think Tom might know a little bit more about them from last season. And I'm guessing not an awful lot will change about their style from last season really either. So what do you think, Tom?
2: No, they're, they're very, um, you're right saying they are complete minnow. Like this, this is like the equivalent of when Blackpool got to the Premier League years ago, like there's no one expected. It. They should never have been anywhere near the playoffs, let alone promotion. The one thing they have got in their favour is they have a very good spine. Evan Barley, who's the goalkeeper, he's he's hands down the best goalkeeper in the Obvious League last year. Um, so that's a very good start. They have a, a centre-back, Christian Rismark, who's, who was their captain last year. He's very solid and, and they're very very good defensively as a team. They're very compact, they're very organised, they're very difficult to break down. They they have a good mixture of pace and and height and... And a lot of their success last year came from one nil wins. They have Madslev Nielsen, who's captain this year. He's he's been sought after by a lot of elite tier clubs over the previous twelve eighteen months. So it was a big surprise for him to still be at Ronheim last year. Um, and then I think there was no doubt then that when when Ronheim went up, he was going to stay. Um, so they have got some some uh, some good players in their squad that can can handle this level. The the big question mark is going to be the players around them, then, how strong they're going to be. I mean, a lot of their signings have come from the lower leagues. I had two of them uh, in in Blink when I was there two years ago. So uh, they have a striker called Muds Lillebo who scored eight, nine goals uh, as a striker, sort of in and out of the team. But he, he's, uh, he works extremely hard. He's got a, a terrific engine in him, uh, runs the channels very well. Um, and they signed another player this year myers Ogdal who's who's more of a technical type who plays out the wing or plays down the middle um but a lot of their signs as you say have come from Rosenborg's reserve site or second and third division so and the, and again those, those signs have been players that are they're not they're not young players they're 25 26 27 28 so they're 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 experienced players having played at a lower level so. I fear for them if if the if their key players get injured, but <laughs> they've got this far against all odds, and like I said, they're going to be tough to break down. So they, they're they're capable of nicking games, I think.
1: They have a uh, yeah, looking at their squad, it's entirely Norwegian, so it's a one hundred percent Norwegian makeup from what I can see. Um, you know that
2: was. It's not even just Norwegian; it's local. Like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the players are from Trondheim. Uh, if you look at all of their recruitment in the last two years, they haven't signed anybody from outside outside of toronto they haven't moved anyone from else, elsewhere in norway or or anything like that and and every one of the run players are part-time players so uh the goalkeeper is a teacher uh, another one's a security guard another one's a driving instructor so they're, they're they are the complete minnows they're not even minnow minnows they're complete minnows but the biggest thing they have in their favor is that everyone has written them off so you know, they, they have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. And they have a lot of hungry players there that know that if they perform this year as a team, then it can lead to their dream of, of being professional football players.
1: Steve has them as rank bottom of the table and the team he has is 15th. is a team that is, I've got to be honest, has, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for there. And that is Christiansen. The reason for my soft spot for this team is uh, Steve. I remember you on the last season of the podcast, writing them off week after week, and they would come back and they gave they gave Rosenborg a bit of a bloody nose. And you know they they've they won me over with their sort of underdog style. And they managed to stay up, so um, I want you to kind of uh, have a have you got an apology there for Christensen, Steve? And uh, uh,
0: you know, fair play to them. They 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 actually survived. You know, they weren't lucky or anything like that. They did they were they, were, they played really well, so. So, well done. But I, I always have this worry about sort of second season syndrome slump. Um, it's interesting to note, I did a bit of research, just two of the last 13 teams that got promoted to this league have actually gone down. So, it's a great record for teams that have come straight up. But the second season can often be the tough season, John. I mean, it can be in all leagues, can't it? I, mean, I was looking at a few stat sites. There's a suggestion that they overachieved a lot last year, Christensen, for what, you know, certainly the final finishing position... By all accounts, they probably should have gone down statistically. And this is my concern. Can they repeat what happened? I mean, every home match last year was full of energy, passion. Really tough place to go. It always seems to rain in christiansand I didn't ever see a game where it was sunny there. It must be just a horrible place to live weatherwise, and It, it can be a tough place to visit. Look, they, they might easily prove me wrong and survive again, but they're definitely going to be in the relegation mixer, John.
1: Well, we did have a conversation on Twitter, and you can follow us at NordicFootPod. Um, talking about which team I would, you know, as an outsider support uh, in Norway this season, I have to say Christiansen are one that they have caught my eye a little bit. Looking at their squad makeup, it's very different to uh, Ranheim. There, they've got a blend of sort of uh, Norwegian, Swedish. I've seen, I see, I um, see a couple of Estonians there in their squad as well, and an Ivorian, and Dauda Bamba. What can you say that's positive about this, this Christiansen side?
0: Well, one of my ten players to watch is uh, turgil Jertsen, who. Uh, he came into the squad mid-season, signed from Runheim actually, from the Obos Ligue And his statistics, I mean, were superb. I think he he started 11 games and he scored eight goals and had four assists, which is sensational stuff. So he was a key player, really, in in, in getting them to survive. But the big thing about them isn't so much individual quality. It's just the the team itself worked really well together. They a Bamba up front. Um I think will go fairly well for them this season. I actually preferred John Arliss and Mendy myself, um, but uh, towards the back end of last year, he wasn't starting games anyway, so he, he maybe won't be such a big miss. They're going to have to perform really well as a team again, John, if they want to stay up.
1: Tom, I'm going to ask you for a one-word answer here. Will Christensen stay up? Yes or no?
0: Via the playoffs.
1: Right. So yes. Is that a yes. Yes. They will stay up via the playoffs, and Steve, you happen to go down. Oh, well, we'll be looking at that one with interest. I'm definitely hoping they can bloody a few noses again this season, and I'll be keeping a, a firm eye on them. Let's move on to now your predictions for third from bottom 14th of the table. You have Sanderfield.
0: Yeah, well, there's been a big off season change, and Lars Bohinen has moved to Arlsund, the manager. He's been replaced by Magnus Powell. Bohinen was a big part of Sanderfield's success, getting them promoted twice and surviving last year they only survived by one position but realistically realistically they were safe for quite some time they just didn't finish the season very well which you could say is a slight concern anyway they haven't had a good preseason. I think they've got hit for six twice you can't take an awful lot from preseason results but for me it's a concern when you are conceding that many goals and when you got a new manager in charge I was surprised because there are Quite a tight knit community there at Sanderfield and they've got they had a, a couple of really good assistant coaches who I actually thought one of those might get the job. To be honest, John, and maybe that would would have been a better option. It's interesting that Magnus Powell is the favourite with the bookmakers to be first uh, out of a job this season, and you know what? I, maybe it could happen if he doesn't get a good start, he's going to be under some pressure, isn't he? So. Um, I think they're going to be in the relegation mix of, mix of Sanderfield. Just like Christensen, they've got this second season sort of syndrome they've got to overcome, which might be a challenge. They, they might just about keep their head above water. I think there's enough quality in that squad. But I think at times it'll be a struggle, to be honest, John.
1: Yeah, looking at their kind of numbers from, from last season, it's looking like they did just about enough. And, um, you know, they've got a few players, Castrati I think, who, who did quite well, I believe, and, and Solberg, maybe, Paul Mora as well. Tom do you think they will be third from bottom do you think they're going to be a candidate to go down or do you, are you, are you agree with Steve
2: there I think they're going to struggle I think they've they've had a really indifferent preseason I think there's a I think there's a, a lot of things that we don't know about yet that might come out later uh, I think it's very interesting that they haven't signed that many players considering the players they've lost I think it's very interesting that the players that have left have left including Lars Borham. I think that was a very interesting decision to leave I think he knew that he wasn't going to get anything else out of the, the squad that they had, whether that's because of not being able to strengthen or uh, things running their course. So I, I'm a little bit worried for them, I have to say. Uh, but what I will say is Magnus Power is a he is obsessive as a coach. I've met him a few times. He's very intense. He he works twenty hours a day, and so it, it, if he if he struggles, it won't be for the want of trying.
1: Very interesting that. Thank you, Tom. Yes. So, so I suppose that's the relegation battle covered. Now we've got the predictions. Steve has Ranheim bottom of the league, Christiansen second bottom, Sandefjord in 14th, Budo in 13th, and Tromsø 12th, with IK Start a newly promoted side, all the way up in 9th. We're going to move on now to players to watch. I've asked Steve on this preview show to provide 10 players who he feels will be key in the elite to and maybe even attract other clubs uh, abroad perhaps or move on to bigger things as others have done. Steve... We don't have a huge amount of time here, so let's run through your list. Give us your 10 names firstly, and then we'll, we'll delve into a few of them very briefly.
0: Well, I've given you a mixture here of names. Some are promising talent who can really develop and perhaps even unheard of by, for some listeners. And then I've gone with some obvious ones as well. But here's the list Samuel Adek Benro, uh, Eric Ulland Anderson, Gilbert Coombson, Turgil Jertsen, Kevin Cabran, Hugo Vettelson, Runar Espjord. Per-Christian Bratweit, Marcus Kasser and Leo Ostergaard.
1: What is the breakdown in terms of clubs? I think it's one club. Everyone is a a different club, I'm right in saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tried to mix it up a bit. So, uh, you know, I get someone from each club. I mean, just start with Adig Benro and uh, Anderson. It's pretty obvious. I think Adig Benro's in for a really, really big breakout season, especially when Rosenborg start to play um, European matches in the summer. He could really catch the eye on the European stage there, and probably end up with a move in the summer window. He's he's really really good. He's better than this league, and he'll he'll move on. I think. Anderson, if Strum's Goods are going to actually launch this title bid and, and come close to Rosenborg as I, as I think they might do, then he's going to have to be have you know really become one of the top two or three in the league now in terms of player quality, and I think he's got that in him. Uh, some great statistics last year. He's already one of the top players in the elitist area. Now I think he's ready to move into that top three or four bracket. So, for those two, it's pretty obvious.
1: Tom, how many of those players are you familiar with yourself?
2: Uh, and is there anyone you hear that there that stands out to you? Uh, I think that first and foremost, that's a very, very good list. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed there's no border Glimp players on there, but we'll take that at a later date. Um, no, I, I think uh, I think they're they're all very interesting for their own reasons. Hugo from Starbeck, I'm very, very interested to see. I think he he's in for a, a really, really good year this year. Uh, and he's obviously got the perfect coach with uh, with Tony as his coach. Uh, and Leo Ostego, I'm very interested to see how close to the first team he gets. Massive reviews of him uh, down in Molda. They've won the, the, uh, the National Youth Cup two years in a row, and he's been a very big part of that. So uh, I, I really hope for his sake that he manages to take the step into the first team.
1: Yes, and then we've got Gilbert Coombson of uh, Bran. We've got, uh, as we've mentioned there, Gürtzen of Christiansund. Hugo Vettelsen from Starbet. Runa Espyord from Tromza. Uh, Breitweid from Haugesund, Marcus Kasser from Odd. So, yeah, a real, a real eclectic mix there of players. Where yep. One keeper as well, and, you know, several wingers. Tom, who would you say is uh, maybe a player you're looking forward to that's maybe not part of the Buddha setup? Uh, is there anyone we should keep our eye on from your point of view? maybe one
2: or two names that we should, you predict to have a breakout or ex- exceptional season? I think I think there'll be one from start. I think uh, Christensen's obviously been one that's been in and around for a long time. And, and I think there was there was one, uh, was one pre-season friendly they played where, where all three of the central midfielders were 18 years old. So I certainly think there'll be one of the three from start that, that make a breakthrough, particularly with uh, with Dempsey as their coach. I also think Andres Serdon could be an interesting one from some of the viewers. I know he's been linked with Odd, uh, recently uh, in a transfer and I know that Powell really wants to keep him down in Sonderfield but I think he's another one that could be very very interesting and really put a stamp on on, uh, on this season Fascinating stuff yeah I think we're
1: going to leave it there that's um, all we have time for now on the Nordic Football Podcast the season preview is done Tom if we ever find ourselves you know, in the region of Buda what's the most uh, exciting thing to do there besides watching the team is there
2: anything touristy that we should look out for or you know, will we
1: be welcome down to training to, to visit you
2: well of course always you're of course always welcome to come and say hello the most interesting things normally happen in the evening actually um we're very famous in the north for having northern lights uh, mm. and that's a very i cannot put into words how brilliant a thing that is to see the nightlife's pretty good i won't say it is quite bubbly and no there's a lot of really nice nature and, and things around in and outside the t- town that are definitely worth seeing
1: well it's been fantastic having you on the show tom and yeah really good insight there I appreciate your time it's going to be an interesting season, that's for sure. We'll be on the Nordic Football podcast regularly throughout the season, so you know, perhaps we'll have you back on the show, if, if possible, at some point further down the line as well. Would uh, be a pleasure. Yeah, and to- uh, Steve, sorry, thanks for your uh, predictions there. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.
2: Thanks very much, Tom, for coming on. See you all uh, next time, everyone.